And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. Our, I think this is going to be our last one of the year, Stripe Show Podcast, of course, all year long, presented by our great sponsor, Encore Golf. You've heard us talk about it. You've seen us play the golf balls. The question is, did you get some golf balls for Christmas? Vero X1, Elixir, the Avant 55. Hopefully, you took advantage of that. I didn't get to play any golf here over the Christmas break. I was too busy, Samantha, sitting at my house here. No, not this house. The house that we rented with my family. On the beach, Ponte Vedra, 78 degrees. The wind was blowing nice if you're into those kind of things a couple beverages samantha how was your christmas welcome in we made it to the end of the year we made it i did get to play some golf we had okay. the parent child at my country club the same weekend we had the pnc got to watch tiger play some golf we also came in second so usually i would be very upset yes, but if would. tiger comes in second i come in second we call it a win we, we're okay <laughs> Yeah, that was fun to watch, wasn't it? I mean, there's so much we're going to get to here. Tiger's on the list. This this show is the season in review. And as I went back and I looked at all the guests that we had, I mean, an incredible run of guests. So many shows that we've done. We're over 300 now on the podcast. We've grown significantly. Again, thank you to our sponsor, Encore Golf. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. We have really had a lot of fun doing this. And, and remember, the one thing that really helps us as we – move along into 2022 is those rankings, those comments, go leave us a ranking and a comment as we appreciate it. And I've got Tiger on my notes. I've got Phil on my notes. I've got Sungjai in my notes. I see um, Use Golf Facts. I see Patrick Reed. I see PGL. I see Nelly Corda, Ryder Cup. I mean, like, there's so much stuff that you could go to. But we've whittled it down. We're going to give you our favorites, all right? And we're going to kick the show off, Samantha. I'm going to ask you a question here, okay? The first thing that comes to your mind when you look back here at the 2021 calendar year? It's an easy answer for me because I, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing research for the show, I look at, you know, Golf Channel, Golf Digest, Golf.com, Sports Illustrated, Golf News Net. I look at all of the sites and I look at, all the articles that were written and, you know, the top hitters, the, the most read, the, their year in reviews, see what they're talking about. And everybody's talking about Bryson. That's all we talked about all year long. Bryson DeChambeau, his body, his speed, his power, mm -hmm. his training with Chris Como, who we had on the podcast several times this year. Great conversations with him. Um, but there are so many storylines that I feel like we forgot about. Many, which honestly were comical. And I'm going to give you one that you probably forgot about. And you, it's guaranteed to make you laugh. All right. Back in January, um, Bryson was describing his, he was saying he was having some health issues. He was saying he, his brain was working too hard. His frontal lobe was working too hard. Okay, whatever that means. Right. And then he was saying that his, he was having gut health issues. Okay, mm. first of all, we don't need to know that. Yeah. Um, he also said he was drinking like 15 protein shakes a day. And I don't think I'm exaggerating there. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he said. And then he said he was, quote, I'm quoting this, having issues on the back end. 
end quote. And that's just the kind of stuff like that, that we forget about because that was back in January. It was almost a year ago, the same week that Bryson was grunting on the driving range and having to apologize to his fellow PGA tour players the next week in Dubai hitting over the net and the driving range into civilian areas. And they're having to send out phone alerts like Amber alerts to civilians saying, Hey, watch out for these flying golf balls. So many storylines that we forget that when I'm looking back and doing research for the show that I'm like, it gets so much better than what is at the top of our mind with that. Right. It's overload. My frontal lobe is like, my frontal lobe is being overworked because of him. There's so much there and you didn't even bring up Brooksy, right? I mean, the PGA tour had to step in because it was getting out of hand and people were calling him Brooksy as he was walking the fairways of PGA tour events. And of course this whole Brooks versus Bryson feud or a parent feud took off and it was interesting to watch, right? It was interesting to watch. And we've talked about it, you know, in great detail here of our thoughts on the whole thing. And then it comes to the end here at the Ryder cup and they hug it out and then they play in the match. But just that story in itself, just Bryson and Brooks was just its own animal that lived throughout the year. And I still think in the end, I think, Bryson has come out on the better end of that as far as his appeal um, to the the golfing population. I still think he has a ways to go, but I think if you ask Bryson, there's been a a great deal of maturity since those stories in January and February um, through all this in the end. The reality is, is that as the player, Bryson, geez, I mean, we are in the power era. We know that. We are in the power era and Bryson took the power era and I think he just took it to a whole nother level. Um, the transformation with his body, the change in the swing, we talked about it with Chris Coma. I told Chris on the pod last week, I said, I, I think it's it's one of the riskier things I've ever seen. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody change their body like that, number one. We saw Duvall do it and struggle. He went the other way, lost weight. And then number two, change his swing. I mean, like, his entire swing is different. And I had his coach, Mike Shy on earlier in the summertime, his longtime coach, which was fascinating to get some insight on coaching um, Bryson. And Mike Shy was still part of the team when he won the U.S. Open a couple years ago. No longer is. And then Chris, of course, has come in and helped him. And now all those changes. I mean, we're talking like wholesale changes. And I know Chris was like, we're just going to leave some breadcrumbs here as long as we go make sure we can find our way back. This is risky stuff. And he pulled it off and he took it to a whole other level. He averaged 323 yards, Samantha, off the tee. 323. 63 players on the PGA Tour averaged 300 or more. Uh, and the average was 296. He got in everybody's head. He's in our head. He's in the... Um, uh, he's in Brooks's head for different reasons. Some of the things that he's saying in his quotes, which I'm sure a lot of his colleagues and you know people are like rolling their eyes at. But he was in everybody's head when he went out there and started busting his driver from day one after they came back from COVID. And he played with 
um, he played with Rory in the practice round. And my resources tell him that didn't sit well on how far Bryson was hitting it past Rory. Like it was significant. And he got everybody trying to change the swing. Remember, Rory came out and said, I tried to change my swing. I was like, I almost fell off the couch in that thing. Like I was like, wait, Rory, you're number two in driving distance. Why the hell are you changing your swing to get more distance? DJ's posting his swings, trying to crank it out there as far as he can. It was madness. It was absolutely madness. He was in everybody's head. If he doesn't win the pip, which I don't think he did, something's wrong. Because Bryson, man, we got you got to start there. 2021. We did have to start there. But speaking of the pip, slightly breaking news as we are recording this. Um, Phil Mickelson has broken the news himself. Of course he has. Yeah, because uh, in typical Phil fashion. Um, he has him, he has himself won the pip and he broke the news himself. His tweet says, I'd like to thank all the crazies and real supporters too for dot, 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 helping me win the pip to get the second half of the money. I have to add an event. I haven't played in a while. See you in Kapalua kissy face PS. I'll try to find another hot controversial topic soon. Note, someone under it says, in your dreams, Phil, Tiger accomplishes that feat with one post. Phil responds, he got second. I can empathize with that. So keep in (laughs) mind that first place gets, I want to say it was 8 million. Second place got 6 million. And then thereon, it was like 3 million, 3 million or something like that. So um a lot to be said there. We know that was what he was the first guy. I will say that when COVID the quarantine started and the PGA tour shut down, he was the first guy who went to Twitter and went to Instagram and was like, all right, I'm going to start posting stuff from my couch. I'm going to start posting stuff from my backyard. And I loved it for one, because we got to see, you know, what those guys are doing behind the scenes. And there were, there were several players who followed suit. Um, Now, where where Phil says, P.S., I'll try to find another hot controversial topic soon, that tells me that, you know, Phil gets it, that, that, that it is about the engagement and it's about partially pissing people off for the likes and the retweets and the comments. And he gets it. That's what it's about. Um, you can't really blame him for that. Um, but, I mean, he did win the pip. Tiger came in second. What's to be said about that, Travis? He finally got him. You know, he, he, he finally got him. Phil, he's the oldest major winner, right, as he wins the PGA. I made a post last night on my Instagram, and I still can't believe it when I look back at the year that Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship. I mean, I, I have his stuff pulled up right here and how he was playing and at that golf course. I'm just like, okay, what? Okay, Phil won there? It's amazing. Um, and, and you remember, do you remember how focused and different he looked? Like just this, I mean, what's what's the word that he used? I can't remember the exact word that he used that he was going through, but it didn't look like Phil, you know, like his normal kind of gait and facial expressions. It was, it was just very calm and just different. He's chewing gum. He's... I don't know. It, it was, there was something going on there that was very different. And he goes in there and he wins and he 
holds off Brooks and this big bad Brooks, right, in the midst of, you know, his controversy with Bryson and then Phil just, you know, takes it to him there in the final round, the whole out of the bunker on the front nine, the final day. And I mean, it was, it was incredible stuff. And Phil, as I take us to what's happening inside the ropes, this post, I posted it because it was one year ago to the day that he posted it. And he said, I'm out here at my, I'm out here in my backyard, which was like, wait, what your backyard, you have a driving range where you can hit drivers. Anyway, I get to look into that. And he's, and he's as thin he's ever been. His club head speed is, is, is way up there for 50 and he's hitting bombs and he averaged 301 yards. He was one of those 63 players at the age of 50. That's really impressive. I mean, he's always had a long swing. So I think it's a little easier for him to embrace that, but still at the age of 50 to do that is impressive. He dominated PGA tour champions. As we know, he showed up, he won, um, you know, Phil right there is number two. I'm not surprised that he won the pip. And I agree, Samantha. I agree. I, I think, you know, the pip kind of took a beating. People laughed at it. But I think there's a lot of upside, too, like getting to know Phil a little bit. It's nice to see this other side a little bit of some of these players. We're seeing it with Tiger, although he doesn't really embrace in social media for different reasons. Obviously, him getting hurt, which we'll talk about. But we're seeing a different side of Tiger. It'd be interesting to see if he maybe does share a little bit more. Maybe perhaps in 2022, he doesn't need to. Maybe just one more post and he passes Phil Mickelson. But I agree. I, I love seeing this with Phil. I, I think we got to know him. He's he's funny. He's engaging. But no one loves Phil more than Phil. I will say, I will say his age is, is what, what has always impressed me the most about, about him. About him. <clears throat> with, with how he's played so well in the last – year, year and a half, two years, especially with when he's with his transition to the PGA champions tour. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to mention is what we need to remember is that the PIP is not only social media presence, right? right. It's time on air. It's time you're mentioned on air. It's articles written about you. There's all these different stipulations that okay. go into it. And Phil played a lot this year too. He played a lot. He played yeah. a lot on PGA Tour Champions. He won a lot on PGA Tour Champions. He was talked a lot about on Golf Today, on golf programming on TV. Um, it wasn't just because he was stirring up controversial stuff on Twitter. Um, yes, that had a lot to do with it. But I think, I mean, he had a pretty good year apart from just winning the, the, the PGA at Kiowa. So I think that that's something to remember, too. Um, I know that we, when we see the pip, we see it all as like, oh, followers, likes, engagement on Twitter. And that's just not that it, that's not all that it is. Um, right. But speaking of Phil, uh, my favorite quote from Phil. This okay. year. He wins the PGA. He goes to the Charles Schwab just days after the PGA. He goes to Charles Schwab and he shoots an opening round 73. And you know, Phil, he's like, as you said, no one loves Phil more than Phil. He's in his post-round press conference, just shot 73, maybe not in the best mood, but not in the worst mood because he just won the PGA, right? Right. So he's going to let everybody know it. They say, Phil, how do you feel today about your 73? He said, I didn't play very well. I shot three over, but I won the PGA. So <laughs> I just love him. You just have to love him. I mean, yeah. he's not going to let anybody forget it. He still no. hasn't let anybody forget it. 
putting it in the passenger seat as he's driving and just you know. brilliant. Just yeah. brilliant. You realize he only had one top 20 the entire year outside of that win. I mean, for the most part, and I was, you know, I'll take a step back. I'll fall on the sword. I was a little critical of Phil chasing bombs. I felt like his iron game was a mess. Um, and really, for the most part, was eh, okay. I mean, he careered it at the PGA. Careered it. Kind of um, pulled it out of nowhere. He did. I mean, he went plus eight with his irons in the approach game. I mean, he didn't sniff that all year. I mean, that's that's calling more Kawa kind of numbers. His iron game, for the most part, was eh. – I mean, he just – he just put it all together this week. It was very bizarre to me the way his his demeanor and this different fill that all of a sudden he wins. Like, well, why don't you just get into that state all the time? You know, I mean, my goodness. So yeah, Phil. Um, there's so many quotes. There were some others though too. And I mean, you have you have a few other quotes that we probably forgot about. I got a few more. Um... There's another one from Phil, you know, as, as you know, very active on Twitter. When the, P, when the RNA came out with their distance report, USGA and RNA, and they were talking about shortening the, the allowed length of, of the driver from 48 to 46 inches. He tweets, stupid is as stupid does, Mrs. Gump. Hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then this great one from Dustin Johnson. When every year when the British Open, you... Uh, the Open Championship comes around, there's the debate. What yeah. is it called? The British Open, the Open Championship, the Open. What's it called? Yet, no matter what you call it, everyone knows what you're talking about. Right. So maybe just call it whatever you want. Um, he's in a press conference and he said, somebody asked him what he calls it. And Dustin Johnson says, it was the British Open growing up, but now I call it the Open Championship. And the reporter says, how come that changed? And Dustin Johnson says, because that's the name of it. Like literally straight face, because that's the name of it. And then you can just see Dustin Johnson saying that yeah. with his straight face demeanor. And I just love that because just because I can see him saying it with his, his demeanor. And then the last one with Kevin Kisner and all of his glory. This was before we got into the bar stool stoolie fight. Um, mm -hmm. So this was back when, you know, we didn't hate each other. Um, Kevin Kisner did an interview where he said, you know, there's just a lot of places that I can't win, that I won't win. And he was mostly talking about his distance off the tee, his ability to, to hit it far, you know, places like whistling straights, right. for example. Um, and he said – the reporter said, well, why do you keep showing up to those places, right? Like, why do you even keep playing those, those tournaments? Why do you even keep playing those events? And Kevin Kisner said, well, they pay a lot of money for 20th. Yeah. And that might have been my favorite quote of the year because there are a lot more people out there on tour playing these events that feel that way than we think. Sure. sure. That's why what Kevin Nod does every year is so impressive to me. I mean, the guy to be at... In Atlanta, at the end of the year, playing the way that he is, it's just remarkable to me the distance um, that he gives up. Yeah, that was funny. And looking back at the Kisner and the Ryder Cup and how that somehow got traction. I know he won, I believe, the Wyndham, but then he just played awful, you know, in after that. 
and yet like we're justifying that he should be on the team because he's a team guy and like okay wait what like that we're playing whistling straights this is a huge bombers paradise there's clearly some other better candidates ahead of them scotty scheffler being one of them who beat the number one player in the world sam burns i thought should have been on there but it was funny how that got legs and you're an idiot if you don't think kevin kisner idiot if you don't think kevin kisner belongs on the Ryder cup but anyway yeah kiz is he's he's great stuff and it's just it's it's cool it's so impressive to me the kisners the kevin nas of the world out there giving up 25 yards off the tee you know and and it, w- it was kind of cute non Kokrak, who both worked with drew steckel who will be our first structural podcast exclusive in january um he says Nagos, they were playing at the the QBE, the final little right event team game. And they would both hit their drive and the first day was the scramble. And he would say, Yeah, it was awesome. Hit my drive, pick it up, walk up 30 yards, set it down next to Kokrak. 30 yards every time. 30 yards. I mean, think about that. Think about giving up 30 yards. Now just and now I'm 30 yards behind. And this guy is a good iron player too. That's 30 yards ahead of me. This guy can putt too. Like you just to be able to overcome that consistently is really fascinating stuff. And what a year for um, Kevin Knott. What a year for Jason Kokrak. Way to go, Drew Steckel. Nice job um, with those two. I think of Kokrak. He had he had two wins. He added a third since, and now the new season, right? That's wrapping around. I think of Stuart Sink, Samantha, who had two wins. I think a Stuart Sinks quote. I remember this. This is not on my notes, but it just came to me. I remember when he won, he says he makes reference to a change he made in his swing that's given him 10 more yards off the tee. And he says that it's, I just got a little bit more behind it. I tilted my spine. I'm like, like what? Like, that, that, you, that, you just figured that out at the age of 40, 48? Like, like, don't say that out loud kind of thing. Yeah, I just just told my spot. I got my head a little more behind it. Write that down. Write that down. Like 10 more yards. That that Kevin Na, um, Jason Kokrak thing is pretty much how I felt playing every day with Maria Fossey. Okay. That's pretty much how all of us felt every single day. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, um, it's it's impressive, and you know there's there's other storylines here that that I want to get to. Um, there's so many of them. We've had to whittle them down. Let's let's kind of go through some of the storylines here um, here in the back end of this show. What's a give me a, give me another one of your storylines that you have there? So the first one that I wanted to talk about, which we talked about this a lot early last year, so 2020 and even late 2019. But Sung J M, do you remember when he was like a literal nomad and he didn't have a house, he didn't have an apartment, he didn't have a condo, he didn't have anything in America. He was playing the PGA Tour and he was literally hotel hopping. Yep. Well, he finally bought a house in Atlanta um, last, this year. It was early this year. I think it was in January. Um, but it was... That was so exciting for me to read <laughs> this year. I was so happy for him. Yeah. Um, so that was a big storyline for me. And I was 
very excited for him, but he said, I was reading a golf digest article about him. And he said that at the, at the time before he owned a house that he preferred going hotel to hotel because after the season, he goes back home and he likes to be comfortable at home and doesn't want to have to maintain a house here. And, but I guess, you know, he just ended up caving because he was here so much, but he finally had a house here. Spend some of that money, Sunjai, yeah. right? Yeah, no kidding. So it was, uh, that was an exciting storyline for me. I'm going to start know- fresh with Sunjai. I'm going to start fresh in my gambling next week with him. I kind of laid off him. He probably hurt me more than it helped me. You know, Sunjai is a real deal. I mean, he is, you know, he got his win at the Shriners um, back in October. But he can do it all. You know, he gets a little bit inconsistent at times, you know, like just, part of his game will go away and it'll go away like in a big way all of a sudden and then it'll come back and then something, you know, but he's kind of, he, he's got that. I'm, what I'm really interested to see with Sanjay's game is if he can just kind of get it all going at the same time, like a Patrick Cantley, because I think if he can, he's that kind of player. He's that, he's like a Patrick Cantley kind of player. He can rattle off four wins, which is another big storyline. Patrick Cantley had four wins and won the uh, the tour championship at the end of the year. Cantley is is right now evolving into one of the best players in the world, no question. Him and John Rahm, two guys that have no weaknesses through their back. Elite status, driver through the putter. I think Sungjae at times has shown each one of those can be that. The question, can he make it all be there? And if he can, he's a top 10 dude. He's a top 10 dude. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and I'll just transition that into my other storyline, which is, you know, here is Cantlay and, and Rom. I mean, I mean, check these stats out. I mean, Patrick Cantlay, all right, he's a quirky dude. He's he's tough to watch. He's walking, you know, kind of like it's tough, right? Like give us something. Give us something. But check these stats out, Samantha, from last year. Strokes hit off the tee, 12th. Approach, 24th. Around the green, 9th. Putting, 30th. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it definitely helps to be an outgoing, likable, attractive, you know, amicable guy like like a Jordan Spieth or a JT. But you don't have to be. You don't have no. to be. No. He would make more money off the course if he was. Um, I, you know, but Cantley's like the Ryder Cup – was is so awesome in so many ways, but to see Cantley and Xander's dynamic is, I mean, smoking a cigar had, I mean, I mean, I was cracking up. Those guys were funny at the Ryder Cup. I love seeing that. It's in there. It's in there, Cantley. We're going to, we're going to see more and more of it. But I would say my first storyline, you know, in, in the play of Pantra Cantley, my goodness, and John Rom, they were one in one A, you know, can they keep it going? John Rom. Probably the little better ball striker than Cantley. A little better off the tee, a little better in the iron game. Um, but man, it's close. I mean, it, it, it's close. There's no weaknesses with either one of their games. All right, next storyline for you. So I'm going to go to the Genesis. And okay. We're, we're going to go to the week before Tiger's crash. So we're going to go to the actual play of the Genesis Open. So when Max Homa won um, his first event and but before that, before he won, when he was on the 18th green and 72nd hole, he had a three-foot putt to win. He had a 99.57 chance of making that putt. 
statistically. Missed the putt, so went into a playoff with Tony Finau, um, ended up winning the playoff. He grew up just 30 minutes north of Riviera, the country club where the tournament is played. But before the playoff, his wife sent him a text saying, quote, forgive quickly, meaning like, don't beat yourself up about that putt. Like, you got to forgive yourself. You got to let it go. And that I feel like, first of all, what a relationship like goal right there Mm -hmm. um, to be able to to send that and 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 be able to give that kind of advice to each other. and then the storyline of Homa winning there was was such a great one in my eyes because Homa grew up there. Um, he said he was nervous. The tournament means a lot to him. I remember him saying something. I, I can't find the exact quote, but something similar to, you know, I grew up getting trying to get Tiger's handshake at this event, and now he's handing me the trophy. <laughs> and that was just – I remember it giving me chills when I watched that event. Um, and it was such a cool event to watch, such a cool storyline for Homa. Um, great to see him win after that missed putt. Um, hopefully he was able to forgive himself, but I do feel like there's a lesson to be learned there. Um, and Tiger was clearly a great role model to him. And I know you're going to talk about the crash and then I've got something to follow after that. Still on that note. Well, Homa, you know, boy, he's got win equity. When he gets close, he's he's tough. Um, he knows how to put it away. I think he's kind of a horses for courses kind of guy, right? And what a what a cool win right there in California for him. And that story with Tiger, that's well said. I, you know, he um, his next step now, I think, as you look ahead for a moment here, like a Billy Horschel kind of player, is can they compete in major championships? I'm sure that's something that they're thinking about. Um, you know, when I think about that tournament, though, as you bring me back to that, I think about Fino, who was probably playing the best golf early in the year. Um, I, I knew he had multiple top five finishes in January alone. He was fourth at he was fourth at the American Express, second at the Farmers, second at Genesis to Max Homa. He comes into that final. Um, he comes into that. I, I had him to win on the show. I picked him to win. And he is right there. All he has to do is get it up and down on 10, one of the greatest, shortest par fours in the world, Riviera. Chip it back up the hill, make the putt, he wins. His second win. And he can't do it, right? And it's like, oh, my God, here we go again with Fina. I remember I was banging my head against the ground right here in my living room. Like, this dude's never going to get a second win. I have no doubt that you were actually doing that. I was. Well, A, I love Tony Fina. B, I love his coach, Boyd Summerhays. And C, I had money on him to win. And, he, and it's like, God, here we go again, right? Like, what is happening? So he he really kind of goes away. He finished eighth at the PGA. And then he finally puts him away at the Northern Trust, and he gets his second one. All right, so let's pay off Tony Finau for a moment. All right, Finau got his second one. I'm excited to watch Finau next year, right? Kind of monkeys off his back. You know, let's Let's go now. What can you do? you know, from Fino. But, you know, when I think in the Genesis, though, to wrap that thought up with the storyline, you could see it. Tiger didn't look good. You know, he looked out of it. Um, and then shortly thereafter, perhaps one of the biggest storylines of the year, he gets in that wreck and almost loses his life. He almost have to, you know, 
that he doesn't, and they thought about amputating his leg, and he doesn't. And here we are, just last week, he's playing golf again at the PNC Championship, full circle, in a year. If that's not one of the biggest storylines, I'm not, I'm not sure what is, but I'll never forget. That was, an, that was just, there was so much happening there at the Genesis, right, with, with Max and his story and Finau and Tiger and like, oh, my God, Tiger doesn't look good. And then the wreck and like, man, what a week. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. I think that there was definitely a lesson to be learned through the days following Tiger's crash for mm. the people in the golf community. And that was the outpouring of support from not only the people in the golf community, but how much it ripple affected throughout the, not only the sports world, but the world itself. I was looking at, you know, I used to work at golf channel, as you know, and they always do these articles that are like, Twitter articles where they post a bunch of tweets of people reacting to things, right? So like if Phil Mickelson wins the PGA, they'll post a bunch of Twitter links of like people congratulating him. So it'll be like Justin Thomas's tweet saying, congrats to Phil on winning the PGA, like way to hit bombs or something like that. Well, right. it's all these tweets of people sending their prayers and condolences to Tiger. And the list of people is insane. I mean, it's Barack Obama, Serena Williams, uh, Jack Nicholas and his and his wife, um, Phil Mickelson, the Masters, Dwayne Wade, Mike Tyson, um, you know, all the players, um, Ozzie Smith, A-Rod, like Reggie Bush, Michael Phelps, Cher, like just these people that you're it just ripple affected into so much further than the golf world that. There's a lesson to be learned there, I think, that we can, should take some time to reflect on that, mm -hmm. you know, coming out of this year and, and just having seen Tiger play again, that, that, that we're so blessed to have seen what we just saw last yeah. week and yeah. the impact that he has on this world outside of golf is insane. And we had no right to see what we saw last week. And if no. we never see it again, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there. That's, it's well said tigers. I mean, he is, he is the needle. He'll probably never be repaid for the impact on the PGA tour that he's made. And would you, so Phil gets eight tiger gets six. Okay. So now he's probably only 150 million underpaid, right. For his, his impact. And, there's so much there with, with, with Tiger ton packed there. I, I really did feel like 
without Tiger throughout the year that the tour and these young names that all kind of came to flourishing and peaked at the Ryder Cup for the Americans, the tour feels healthy, right? And if the, it feels like there's a lot of good stuff there. Now it has its issues. And for the first time, it has its competitor, um, which is starting to surface. We'll get to that here in, the, in another storyline. But um, I just felt like I, you, know, you always miss Tiger, but I felt like I was really consumed in what was happening right in front of me with Colin Morikawa winning the Open Championship, with John Rahm finally getting the U.S. Open Championship, Phil doing crazy stuff at the PGA, Hideki becoming the first Japanese player at the Masters, right? These are all little storylines in themselves, not to take away from what we talked about with Cantlay and the Sam Burns of the world starting to elevate and win Abraham answer winning for the first time from Mexico. Like I felt myself like really involved with all these other things, you know, and I didn't forget about Tiger, but for the first time I really felt secure about, okay, what were the next 10 to 15 years going to look like? And the tour is going to be just fine without Tiger. Now you bring Tiger back. Yeah, we don't deserve it. Um, and it's just going to be fascinating to watch. Now I didn't mention a name on purpose that was just captivating who also made a comeback, and we both put him down as our number three storyline, and that was Jordan Spieth. My most impressive moment from him was the third round of the Waste Management. Mm. Um, not only was it a fun day on Twitter, because that's how I gauge my storylines, was like how fun <laughs> of a day was it for me on Twitter, um, Jordan finished but, top 10. He finished top 10 in the pip, I would think. Jordan did. He had to have. His season was crazy good. Yeah, yeah. Especially the first, like, six months, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Coming out of that hole where he was, like, about to drop out of the top 100. Third at the um, Masters. I mean, second at the – I mean, he – you know, he won, obviously, at Valero. But, like, yeah, I would think he's top 10. Yeah, I would think so, too. Um that day, round three, waste management, obviously, in Scottsdale. He shot ten, a 10 under 61 to get a share of the lead. He dropped out, shot, what did he shoot, 72 the last day? Ended up shooting 72 the last day or something. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, he played just insane that day. He made like a 40-footer on 16, the par three, which just made the crowd go crazy. He ended up pointing at this, there, there, there were, the crowd was trying to get, so keep in mind there were limited fans, okay? So it wasn't like it, it was this crazy scene. The scene was still crazy, but not crazy as normal. There was this guy in this Borat costume and they were his friends were trying to get him to jump in the lake. And he made, Spieth made the putt and he pointed at the Borat guy trying to get him to jump in the lake. Well, I guess the security guys thought that Spieth was trying to get him kicked out. So they kicked him out. <laughs> but so like after the interview, Spieth was like that or after the round, Spieth was like that. I feel bad. Cause that's like not what I was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that was like my, the funny part of my storyline, but um, yeah, Spieth, and this is the funny part too. Spieth said after the round, I told Michael, his caddy, the only downside of the birdie putt on 16 is that, 
it arguably would have been the loudest roar I would have ever heard if it were last year because of the um, limited crowds. But he also followed with a 30 footer for birdie on 17. I mean, it was just some insane putting like we've never, or like we would have seen a few years ago back in his crazy good prime of his putting. So that was an exciting time. um, An exciting round to watch for him. What was your go-to speed storyline this year? Well, I mean, the waste management was just fast. We talked about the Genesis, the waste management had so many storylines too. Like, cause that we started talking about Xander not finishing. I mean, he was right there, had the lead shoot 71. The final day opens up uh, Kepka comes in, shoot 65 pitches in on the short par four. Uh, Steve Stricker, I recall finished in the top five that week um, at the waste management Phoenix open. But I, I think with, with Spieth, I mean, it's just the resurgence of the game. I mean, I mean, we're talking three years here now. Like, we're talking three years of losing your game, um, trying to chase some distance, and you know, it, it didn't. It didn't work out. It kind of went haywire, and then the putter goes with his weapon. Probably the one of the best putters we've ever seen in our generation. It goes away. Now he's in trouble. Right now he's in trouble, and it took a while to, to build this back. They kind of had to reverse engineer it. It was fascinating in this reverse engineering and just saying, "Hey, Speed, like here's where you want to be to hit a fade. Like just be instinctive and hit a fade. Don't worry about this up here. Don't worry about it. just just what do you want to do to hit a fade?" And as he went through that process and he started hitting this fade, like the club started getting laid off. You know, and the club's pointing way left. And you're looking at the top of the swing, and you're like, and, and I'm sure his team is like, oh, my God. Like, where are we now? You know? And yet he's covering it. He's hitting fades. His confidence is going back up. He's not hitting snap hooks off the tee. And all of a sudden, you know what happened? The genius of Jordan Spieth started to arrive again. And the, one of the greatest shots of the year is when he won the Valero. That pitch in behind that behind that green, I can't quite remember the number, was stupid shot, like stupid. Um, that's Spieth. Spieth can do things, he's got it, you know, that just no one else can really put their hands on and grasp, and he's just got that it factor. And to see him play the way that he did, I mean, we're talking multiple top 10s and 20s, very consistent golf. He tailed off a little bit. I think at the end with the driver and the irons, the ball striking wasn't quite as clean. Um, but to get back in the winner's circle, finish third at the Masters, second at the Open, get the driver in front of him, get the iron game in front of him, and the lettuce putter go to work, that has to be one of the big storylines um, of the year. It's going to be fascinating now, Samantha, to see, because I know in the offseason they've been trying to get the club a little bit better. So – can he get it a little bit better and still cover it and play instinctive golf? That's what's going to be interesting to see um, in the next season. And we're going to see him next week in Hawaii with JT, with Sam Burns, my boy, Sink, Coke Rack. Hold on here. Abraham Answer, Tony Finau, Homa, Joel Damon, do you remember, was in the winner's circle. (laughs) That was one of the great moments. And his hat, when his hat flew off and it was going back and Gino's running for it and he jumps over and he. 
Love it. Oh, man. Um, so where I'm going to go next, I'm sure okay. you're wondering. I'm going to go to the third round of the Farmers Insurance Open. Can only go one place. As right as CBS is coming on the air, it comes to Patrick Reed talking to a PGA Tour rules official. We're like, yes. Oh, yes. Just striking gold right as we're coming on the air. This is Twitter magic. This is just striking gold mine. It comes to a PGA Tour rules official asking Patrick Reed why he took relief from an, from an embedded ball on number 10, Tory Pines. Basically did it without a rules official being there. Now, I kind of see this two ways before getting into the rest of the thing, because I do see it as, okay, there are what? This is the third round, so there's four guys. There's two players, two caddies. I would like to say that one of those four people know how to take embedded ball relief, right? right? So I do kind of see the argument that maybe we need to not call rules officials for like every single thing and like speed up the pace of play like a little bit. However, apparently this rules official did not agree and thinks you need to call a rules official to breathe. So anyway, um, Patrick Reed says he saw his ball fly into the rough just across the cart path. I think you'll remember if you're visualizing it, it was just on the left side, parallel from the green. He thought his ball was in its own pitch mark. So he was going to get a free relief from the lie. He'd already removed his ball from the pitch mark, set up a drop that would leave him in shorter grass, closer to the cart path, but no nearer to the hole. Um, the rules official said that fine, like, Here's your free relief, whatever. Patrick Reed got up and down for par, continuing on in the tournament as leader. Then footage comes out of Reed's ball 100% bouncing and definitely not, probably not embedded. Like multiple views and angles yeah. of the video. So where we're going with this is the Use Golf Facts Twitter account. Now, if you don't know what that is, do yourself a favor and look it up because it's hilarious. And there's been some speculation, a lot of speculation, that Reed's wife, Justine, or a member of the Reed team is running this account. Mm -hmm. Now, this kind of proved itself right on this day because both of these accounts, Patrick Reed and Use Golf Facts, tweeted the same tweet on Saturday <laughs> of the 2021 Farmers Insurance. <laughs> and oh my God, you think Twitter has been fun in the past. It has never been this fun. The tweet said, so basically... Somebody tweeted a picture of a Golf Channel reporter reporting on the fact that Rory did the same thing. Like, Rory also got embedded ball relief. It's not that big of a deal, whatever. So Patrick Reed tweeted in all caps, which is use golf facts like trademark, all caps tweets. Rory McIlroy at Rory McIlroy did the same thing today on hole 18 and didn't even call a rules official over to deem the ball embedded. End of story. Leaves it up for like 10 minutes, doesn't even realize what had happened, deletes it, then, then copy paste, reposts to use Golf Facts account. 
And we are all, of course, everyone screenshotted it. Everyone and their mom screenshots it, has the receipts side by side. Epic. Absolutely epic. Best storyline of the year. Hard to come back from, impossible to come back from. Everyone knows. I, I don't even know what else to say. It was just. <laughs> well, let, let me, let's continue on with Patrick Reed for a second. Of course, he wins, right? The Farmers. And eighth at the Masters. Kind of sh- wasn't a great year after that. Fifth at the Memorial really got pretty bad towards the second half of the year. Now we got COVID and that hurt his chances. I think a little bit down the stretch, obviously of playing and working himself back into the Ryder cup team, which he didn't make, which was, and wasn't picked. And I'm sure that snakes pretty good. Um, and he, you know, he switched over to David Ledbetter and we, and during that stretch and some of the change, I don't know if all that completely worked out to his favor, from a game standpoint, I think even though he did win and there were some decent other finishes, I think in the end, not a great season for Patrick Reed in particularly the second half of the season. How does he rebound and move back in? Cause we need Reed in the mix. We need him in the story. Like we need Patrick Reed in there. It's great stuff. We need Brooks to be the, you know, the jock and, and Patrick Reed to be the, well, the Patrick Reed that he is. So, like, we need him in the mix, and hopefully he could get some things um, figured out, which I'm sure he will, because he, you know, with Reed, he's one of the best short game players in the world, um, and it's just doing enough, I think, with the ball striking, and if it is, his win equity, we know when he is close, he's a bulldog, right? I mean, he is he is going to capture some win. So, yeah, there's, uh, as you were, as you were talking about it, I was, I was looking at, some of these tweets, and then I kind of got sidetracked on some of these other tournaments as we, man, there was a lot of stuff happening, you know, in the first part of the year. We talked about waste management and the Genesis, and I mean, you that the Honda and how difficult the Honda was playing, and Matt Jones winning, and then Bryson, and it all coming to fruition when he drives it over the lake there on the par five, wins Arnold Palmer. Um, you forget Billy Horschel's consistent play. You know, he wins again at the WGC Dell Technology match play. Um, you know, you, you think about uh, who was the other one here as I scroll through here. Oh, Harris English. Harris English won twice last year. You know, Harris English cooled off a little bit as the season went on, but two wins, including the defending champion at the Tournament of Champions starting off uh, in Capital Lewis. So, Man, a year is a long time. Phil, to me, still the shocker of winning. Cameron Champ came out of nowhere at the 3M Open and won. Cam Davis came out of nowhere and won Rocket Mortgage. And it's just, you know, you see how those surprise pop-up winners, too, when they're not showing form and all of a sudden they put it together. But as I go to my fourth, I know we each, we each have kind of a couple more here storylines. I mean, I think you have to – you have to talk about throughout the year in these tournaments, the the competitor of the Premier Golf League and the Super League, two different leagues coming at the PGA Tour. I think the Premier Golf League, I talked a lot about the difference in the two. We won't go into that on the podcast, but Premier Golf League wanting to work with the Tour. And then, of course, the Super League, the Saudi back money wanting to be just a straight competitor. And they're out there and they're real. 
and they're spending money and they're trying to figure this out. They hire Greg Norman, right, to be the face of this. Um, they hire um, Slugger White to be the VP from the rule standpoint. There's been some other hires that have a history in professional golf. They've got a tournament coming up that's opposite of waste management next year that they're paying a lot of players, including Phil, including Kokrak, including Bryson to go over and play. I'm sure they're going to get the sales pitch. But can this Super Golf League get off the ground? There's a real competitor. I talked about it. I think competition's a good thing. I think the PGA Tour doesn't have any competition. They've gobbled up the European Tour. It's now the DP World Tour. You're starting to see that work together. Um, so they've had to they've they've had to to move. The PGA Tour has done things in response. And the biggest move that they've made to this year and where I'm going with this is they are now moving more money to their stars. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that's a significant thing for the year of 2021 is the PGA Tour has changed this model a little bit. They are, they've got to do some things to protect their stars and pad the money of the stars because it's the stars of the PGA Tour that they're leading with in selling the marks. So I think that's a very significant move for 2021. The Super Golf League will get off the ground. We'll have, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it happening. But I think at the end of the day, it's forced the tour to rethink their model to some degree. And I think it's a positive thing from 2021. We'll continue to see it play out in 2022. Because, Samantha, you said $40 million in the PIP. It's 50 next year. Um, the FedEx Cups went up. Um, the WGCs have went up. Every purse has went up. I mean, this, we're talking – you know, big money. So I, I think good stuff. Um, competition generally brings out some good stuff. And I think it has in this case with the tour. What's your last one? Last thing to talk about is Nelly Corda and the LPGA. Okay. I think the Nelly Corda Jin Young Co rivalry right now is something to keep an eye on for 2022 that's it's kind of like a, a year in review but i'll also keep an eye on for next year kind of point um very interestingly enough nelly court is number one on the lpga tour right now but um jin young ko it made a 1.2 million more this year um is ahead she's ahead of her by 1.2 million on the money list wow so pretty crazy the stats um nelly is significantly longer than her off the tee nelly averaged 275 off the tee um accuracy 45th in accuracy not as accurate as jin young ko um both are in the top five of greens and regulation great iron players um but what i thought was interesting is both played about the same number of events um and both had almost the exact same subpar holes, which I guess would be like birdies and because I mean, yeah. their birdies are the same. Right. So birdies and eagles combined. Right. So they both had 301 or 304. It's so about 300 subpar holes, which is I don't know why that number just sounds insane to me. Mm -hmm. um, 39 rounds in the 60s for Nelly, 42 rounds in the 60s for Jin Young Ko, 11 eagles for Nelly three Eagles for Jin Young Ko. Um, and then Nelly's scoring average was 68.77 and she's number one and 
Jin Young Ko's scoring average was 68.87. So they were only off by a tenth of a point. So definitely something to look at next year. Um, I grew up playing with the Cordas. Great family um, and super exciting to watch them go head to head. I didn't realize they were so close, but I think it's so interesting that Jin Young Ko was that far ahead in, um, in the, in the money list on the money list. Yeah. Do you think she just came in second, like when so much more than Nelly won, like other people were winning and Jin Young Ko was coming in second. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. That's what I think it had to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Nelly Korda is so impressive. I mean, what she did in the rise up to the top player in, in ladies golf. Um, and, and and it brings me to, in, in ladies golf, like we had the Solheim Cup the same year as the Ryder Cup, right, this year. And the Solheim Cup was, was, was even though the United States lost, it was a great event. I mean, Europe winning – uh, 15 to 13 uh, in the Solheim Cup. I love watching the Solheim Cup. You think of women's golf. We talked about men's golf and life without Tiger and those things. And I think the LPGA Tour is moving in the right direction now. Um, you know, Mike Wan did a great job. Nice tenure there. We saw this last year. He moves over to the USGA, which I think is a great move for the USGA. But the LPGA Tour... Um, is moving in the right direction. And I think Nelly Cora, a young American player out there in front with this rivalry that you speak of, I think sends just an incredible message to fans and to young girls getting into the game and what this is all going to mean um, long-term. And Jessica won as well, I believe, right? She won earlier in the year. So, you know, she's there and it's just, it's cool to see this, you know, we need this American contingency, right? I mean, the LPGA Tour is based in America. The PGA Tour is based in America. Like it matters. Like you have to have that American contingency involved, I think, to really maximize. And I think with Nelly Corda's emergence, it's a huge statement, huge statement. Um, yeah, I completely agree. You know, for ladies golf and what that's going to mean. You look at the Solheim Cup, and then you look at the Ryder Cup, same year, the Americans win that, and that's my final takeaway, was the Solheim Cup and the Ryder Cup in the same year going back to back. Like, I just love the team competition, Samantha. I don't know how you replicate it. I don't think you can to the same degree, obviously, as these two events. But it just, I don't know, there's just nothing like it. You know, it, to me, it's they're the, two, they're the best events. I mean, they're just the best events to watch. Uh, we were we got we came up short in the Solheim Cup, but the domination and finally putting the European team away, as the Americans did, nineteen to nine up at Whistling Straits was um, was huge. I mean, it just the stamp like they went out and they got it done. And I'll finish with this: is like you look at now this American golf and like okay, the European Tour. Boy, I don't know. I mean, like. I know we're going to go over there and it's going to be different. They're going to set the course different, but my goodness, I, the Americans are set up so much better than the Europeans with young players. I think their greatest test in the next four to six years is probably going to be now on the international side in the president's cup. Who's captained by Mark Immelman and where I'm going with this is Mark will be on the podcast next week. 
So, or excuse me, not Mark, Trevor. Trevor Immelman, who's the captain of the international team, and that'll be happening this season coming up in 2022. He'll be on the podcast next week. I have a lot of questions for him, but his team, Samantha, his team, to me, is going to be stronger than what you're seeing on paper from the European team over the next four to six years. So American golf, I mean, you got to have it up there. Nelly's up there. We know there's a lot of Americans and they came to the surface at the Ryder cup. Those are big storylines for 2021. Patrick Cantley and Nelly Corda, baby. <laughs> Patrick Cantley and Nelly Corda. Like Patrick Cantley is the American on the men's side. Maybe, yeah. maybe not as charismatic as Nelly. Yeah. Jessica's more okay. charismatic. Yes, I, I agree. But Nellie's yeah. younger. Maybe she's growing into yeah. herself. Yeah. It was awesome to see Nellie at the PNC as well with her dad playing. Yes. Um, we need more of that. You know, we need more. Yeah. We need, I don't know how you, I don't know how you replicate the team game. I, I don't know. I know that's part of the competition. It was Super League and PGL, like this whole team. I get it. I think it's a great idea. I don't. I don't know how it works um, to make it really meaningful. But the other thing we that I think is meaningful is when men and women play together. You know, I, I'd love to see – I like that. I like when the women players – I like when Lexi's playing with Bubba. I like that. I think it's interesting. I like when Nelly's playing in the same event as Tiger. And other, like, it's interesting to me. Like, I, I, I want to see more of that. You know, I think, and I, I don't know how that, that, to me, that would be wonderful for, for both tours, and particularly the LPGA tour, to have these these men and women playing together in events and showing how different team markers come about and distances and how you can play the game together, just like we do casually. You and I can go play and have handicaps and play with your mom and my mom, and they have handicaps, and we're all teeing off from different spots, and, like, we could have a game. You know, and to me, you could set that example with professionals doing the same thing. And I'd love to see an event that's really geared around that. I hope it happens. It's not going to happen in 2022, but I'd love to see it happen at some point in the future because it, it's I think it's interesting. I really do. Yeah, I think like you said, I think it'd be great for the LPGA for more exposure, more awareness. And, and I think I mean, I just think it's a great idea. Like you said, don't know how we do it, but um yeah. I don't think there's any harm that could come from it, but I think it's going to happen. No, I think it's, I think it's coming, you know, I, I think it's going to happen. And, um, and I look forward to that. So this is our last podcast of the year. Thank you for being here, Samantha. Great job. Always on Friday, froggy Wednesdays. He couldn't join us here today. We've got a lot of stuff planned, um, into next year, a new studio is being built when we get in it. I don't know. Um, but it's coming soon. Hopefully I would say by the 1st of February, we'll be in the new studio stripe show podcast. We appreciate being here. Go leave us a rating comment. It's our last time we sign up for the rest of the year. So happy new year to you. And we'll see you in 2022. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today, is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at Pinned Golf. Their brand new Ace Rangefinder is amazing and it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now and I was blown away 
with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin-locked vibration technology, so you know exactly when you are locked onto your target. Tour lever accuracy, and best of all, it is powered by a USB charge, so you can forget about those little batteries every other rangefinder makes you buy. One 45-minute charge lasts you 50-plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at Pin Golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping when you use code STRIPESHOW. That's code STRIPESHOW. I'm telling you, for $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Rangefinder. Head out over to PinGolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in. 